Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Bradford Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me. Swivel hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. Let's go. All right. This is Justin Turpin. You're an excellent producer. You're the best in the business, but you get the wrong open. This is not a great way to kick off the Baseballs and Boring Show by playing the old Bradford Show open. But thank you, Doug Lane. Doug Lane saved the day. Our fans saved the day. Our fans here at Winter Weekend. Once again, I believe when these young men, these men, these baseball fans of the present and the see, there you go. I mean, if the young people are saying it, my demographic must be red hot. Brian Abraham, Brian Abraham, farm director, the Boston Red Sox director of player development, is with us, kicking things off. We're gonna have Tristan Casas on. We're gonna have Nick Pavetta on. We're gonna have Jonathan Papelbon on. We're gonna have the play Tessie guys on. We're gonna have a ton of people on. People are gathering around here at Winter Weekend. Thank you all for gathering around. Most importantly, thank you. What's your son's name? Logan. Logan. Yeah. Logan. Thank you so much for driving the bus. Do you guys actually believe baseball isn't boring? Yes. All right. Thank you. See, look, your, your dad, your dad. I don't know if he believes that. No, I believe it. We're, it's we're a gonna, great sport. It's I, like, I, baseball isn't boring. I mean, that, you're saying that because it gives you your paychecks. Well, I mean, I like one of these sweatshirts. Well, I mean, you know, it's nice. Now that huh? I'm on with you, we, I'm, I'm hoping for one. So this is the Baseball Isn't Boring show, which is going to be on weekly starting, I believe, on February 17th. This is sort of the, the soft launch of it, but we're so honored to be doing this. I'm Rob Bradford, of course, at BB Isn't Boring. You can go to the socials. We get the podcast every single day. You might have heard Craig. But you hear Craig Breslow on the podcast this week? I have. I did. Yeah. I did. What are your thoughts? Must listen. Yeah, must, must listen. Must listen. It yeah. was good, right? It was good. It was great. I said at the end of it, I said, I, I, as you noted, because you did listen to it, uh, I felt I, I did feel a little bit like Will Ferrell in old school, where I just sort of blacked out. It was a lot to get to in a lot of, in a half an hour. A lot to talk about. A lot of information in, in a short amount of time, but I thought uh, both of you handled it really well, and he gave uh, a lot of insight, and you asked some really good questions. See, that's why you're one of the favorites of the program. Again, Brian Abraham, Farm Director, play, Director of Player Personnel. Here at Winter Weekend, everybody gathering around. It's been pretty cool. This is always a good time. And I know that, you know, it's sort of the last couple of years has been highlighted by the town hall in different ways. I guess last year was the booing, and this year it was Papelbon. <laughs> and, uh, 
Um, you uh, did you catch? So you so just to let people know, Brian Abraham is a, a one of the rising stars in the world of baseball. Um, he he started off as a. Tell me if I'm wrong. He, you played at Holy Cross. Played at Holy Cross. Played at Holy Cross. Then went to the Blue Jays, Blue Jays. because J.P. Ricciardi hires everybody from Worcester. Um, was a bullpen catcher there? Bullpen catcher, advanced scouting, video, kind of jack of all trades. Do it all. Yeah. Okay, you did it all. And then when you got to know John Farrell when he was there, then John Farrell comes over to the Red Sox. Uh, obviously, that, that team was never going to be separated. You go to the Red Sox as well. You come out the bullpen catcher. You are in the bullpen for the mo- one of the biggest moments. I think the most impactful moment in the history of the Red Sox, which is David Ortiz's Grand Slam in the uh, 2013 ALS. You were – you didn't catch it, though. I did not catch it. I was, I was next to Mani, uh, our other bullpen catcher who caught the ball. Okay. Um, but who you were, who you warming up at the time? Taz. Tazawa. Oh, okay. All right. Who was going to be brought home to face Miguel Cabrera because that's all he did that series. That is true. A bunch of ground ball double plays. I think maybe that year he had grounded into one double play, and Taz got him to, to, to roll into a couple during that, oh, that series. It was amazing. It was like amazing. a machine. And did you? here's the first question. When you were warming up Craig Breslow in those bullpen sessions, you said, someday, Craig, we are going to be working together in the Red Sox front office. We're going to be at winter weekend together. Um, I mean, that was – you must have been unique. Though. In all sincerity, you were around Craig when he was a player. Because, and, and not only were you around him, you had to sit there in that mundane environment that is the bullpen, and he's talking about the square root of pi, and, and you're talking about Holy Cross alumni. I don't know. But, you know – the uh, so so look at like Nick York just walked by. He smiles at his boss Brian Aram. Um, so, but when you were talking to Craig Brack back then, how unique of an individual of a baseball player was he? Uh, I, I think he was one who who wanted to better himself on a daily basis. You know, he was always asking questions, trying to figure out what uh, he could do to best suit himself on that that night, but also improve overall as a pitcher. So, um, I think it was you know it was, it was before the times of pitch data, it was before the times of TrackMan or, or, or Tech. Um, I think that we you know it was it was it was Craig, it was Andrew Miller, Andrew Bailey, Burke Badenhop one year. Um, just a, a lot of intellectual pitchers, I thought, in the bullpen those years that. Um, ask questions that wanted to challenge themselves, whether it be different arm slots, grips on the baseball, um, to, to better manipulate the baseball to get outs. Cause, Even back know. then, so you could, like, again, that was before we were like, why does Koji's fastball do that? Because, and we didn't have, I mean, probably somebody had spin rate, but certainly for the public consumption, there wasn't. So there was a lot of, we don't know why this is happening, and you had a lot of guys in that bullpen who were probably trying to figure that out. Yeah, I remember catching Koji for the first time, actually, and saying, wow. He does not throw that hard. But it was, I think there were definitely probably some buckets within pro baseball that knew exactly why uh, hitters were swinging, missing at a 90-mile-per-hour fastball at the top of the zone. But over the next couple of years, I think as we better utilized and, and found out about information, we under, understood why. But at the time, I think it was just, you know, deception. And, uh, you know, from our end, it was visual deception, uh, you know, ability to hide the baseball. Um, you know, the, the sneak-up-on-you fastball was something that, you know, was just a – a, a, a layman's term, I guess, a scouting term, and it was a true thing. Oh, so, well, Pap, remember, Pap used to, and we'll have Papelbon on later, but that's what I remember watching Pap, early Pap, was the last five feet of his fastball. Why does it take off like that, right? 
Koji was sort of the same way. I felt. I don't. Yeah, know. same way. Also, on top of that, it was it was changing eye levels using a, another pitch off his off his fastball, the splitter, where it was coming out of the same arm slot. Um, you know, reaching the plate at somewhat of the same angle and and dropping you know off the table. So I think the ability to use pitch tunneling was something that was being done. It just wasn't necessarily described the way as we utilize that type of information and conversation. Who today. is the before we get to the like we could rattle through the minor leaguers, the farm guys, who everybody is really want us to talk about in all sincerity uh who was the hardest guy to catch when you're catching the bullpen because i can't imagine like so yes you were not a major league player but you have to have some skill in order to catch these guys in the bullpen to catch a koji uahara split is not easy so what was the what was the toughest pitch for you of any pitcher that you had to warm up to catch that you're like i really don't want to catch this guy good one um, a- a- Andrew Miller was tough, just overall, just the size, the long arm. You know, he fell down the down the down the slope, and it seemed like he was right on top of you. So I would say he was probably one of the one of the more difficult ones. Um, Taz was difficult as well because he warmed up so aggressively. He threw hard, really? he threw his splitter hard in the bullpen. So you know, some guys are a little bit more touch and feel, let it rip a few times, and then they're ready to go. Koji was like that. It was a very easy warm up. Um, you know, I, I remember Brez. Brez knew exactly what he wanted to do. He would two pitches in, two pitches out, two pitches in the middle, a couple sliders, boom, he was ready to go. So um, it, depending on the effort, I, I think it made it a little bit more difficult. I, I don't know if I was a good catcher. I was able to knock the balls down and prevent them Listen, from – you, you, you collected a paycheck, and you were a catcher. And, Fair. by the way, it got what, however you, you, it worked, you ended up where you're sitting right now, which is the farm director and director of player personnel. Or no, or development. player development. Player well, development. Uh, someday. Uh, so player de- development for the Boston Red Sox. Brian Abraham is with us. Um, so let's get down to brass tacks. I'm going to ask you the question that you've like been asked a, a bunch of times, but people care about it. Uh, let's start with Marcelo Meyer. Marcelo Meyer, where is he? Uh, is he when spring training rolls around in whatever it is, February 12th? What is Marcelo Meyer going to be doing? Uh, he'll be he'll be playing uh, for the Boston Red Sox or you know with within the Boston Red Sox organization. You know, I know the shoulder has been something that's been talked about a lot, but he's full go, ready to go, um, fully swinging, and it's continuing that ramp up to spring this year and preparing for for a long a long season, hopefully a, a full season. But um, you know, he he's put on some good weight, he's gotten stronger, the shoulder's in a good spot. He and is then, big. Well, that's the thing that you notice about him here. He's big, man. Yeah, he's got a big frame. I think the ability to put up some really good lean mass, and I know just with our, our PD group and just overall our, our performance group, understand the importance of, of lean mass, allowing for more ability to impact the baseball, the ability to throw hard. You know, that's, that's a real thing, size, strength. That, that matters a lot, and, and the work he's put in I think is going to be um, representative on the field this year, so we're excited. So just to clarify, the, the shoulder thing, he has the impingement. He, it's all part of the process of him coming back. And and the whole thing about him hitting, not hitting, it was really geared up toward, okay, you're going to start hitting normally, semi-normally, right around when spring training comes up. This wasn't like, oh, there was a setback or anything like that. No, I mean, I think medical is so tough to discuss and really, you know, we're certainly not going to get too much into the detail. But whenever you're dealing with it, with any of us are dealing, recovering from injury, there's, there's ups and downs. There's, I feel good one day, I don't feel great this day or i feel awesome this day so i think it's managing tolerance it's managing the ability to push managing managing ability to push back and then allowing our medical group um to really dictate what needs to be done for him to be prepared for the season because at the end of the day spring training the season is where he needs to be ready for he doesn't need to be you know full go in you know december 15th in the, in the middle of the winter it's for spring training so our group did an amazing job marcelo worked um 
really, really hard. I know it's been tough on him, but to get to where he is now, we're really excited. So every, every, every year is different. Certainly when you have a different uh, regime, a different uh, group of decision makers, you want to implement different things. And there's been a lot of publicity about the Red Sox bringing in a lot of driveline guys and so forth and so on. But from your perspective about how the minor leaguers are going to be managed, is there anything that's going to jump out about a different approach that you guys are having? Whether it can be a small, I don't know, a small thing, a big thing, whatever it is. Well, we have a new director of pitching, Justin Willard, coming from the Twins. So I think just whenever you have someone new, there's going to be new ideas, new thoughts. I think at the end of the day, what we're trying to do in the Marlies, what we're trying to do for these, for our players is provide them goals that they need to work toward, understanding the, the outcome that we want is for them to be a successful big leaguer, and then kind of working backwards. What do, what do they need to do to have that success? So um, putting a system in place, putting a process in place for each player for them to work towards those things and understand where we need them to improve, whether it be bat speed, whether it be velocity, whether it be command, whether it be bat to ball, all those different things, having the players have a very clear understanding of what they need to do and then putting in the work to get there. So um, I think overall we're, we're, we're in a good spot in terms of the staff we have, in terms of the processes we have. Obviously we can always improve, but um, you know, with, the, with the talent we have, it's, it's getting them to be to better, than they are, better than they are today. With Kyle Teal, it's anytime you have a, a semi-high draft pick like that, there's a lot of expectations, and then you see him do pretty well. There's, the expectations get even higher. Um, as you went along and, and got to the end of the year with Kyle, what was the thing that jumped out that made you optimistic that he's going to be able to handle you know, this sort of advanced levels? Well, first time with the organization, I think just the movement itself. You know, He started the FCL, sent him to Greenville, sent him to Portland, like really quick jumps really fast and you know, not only adjusting the pro ball but adjusting to his teammates adjusting to the coaches adjusting to the talent he's facing so his ability to make those adjustments already to me says a lot because the best big leaders are the ones that you know they have success they struggle they adjust and they they, they have success again i think if you heard tristan Cassis talk he'd be a great example of someone who has a plan worked through that plan maybe struggle a little bit stuck with the plan and then ultimately had that success so seeing kyle uh Ability, ability to kind of maneuver his way through the minor leagues in multiple levels in a short time, I think uh, is, is a strong foundation for continued success moving forward. What's your philosophy on minor leaguers podcasting and on social media? I don't know if I have a philosophy or if I've put too much thought into it. I think, you know, we want players to have their own brand. We want players to be themselves. And I think part of the best part about baseball is the fans. Not being so, boring. Uh, for it not to be boring. I'm but trying. Yeah, no, it's, baseball isn't boring, but I, I think like having young players, uh, you know, allow them fans to see who they are off the field, who they see, who, who they are on the field, uh, a little bit more of a personality. I think it's is more important than, part. But, but, you know, you came up, and not as a player, but you you were have been around baseball for a long time. And, and this is a conversation when we talk about baseball not being boring. It's been, it's an easy one to have because the players all say it's changed, and yeah. it is changing. It, it, and it, from, it, from, from your perspective, from the farm director's perspective, that's not just, hey, oh, that's nice, it's changing. It's something that you have to deal with. Yeah, I think we've seen – things have definitely transitioned. I, I, admittedly, I grew up in baseball, probably a little bit more of a traditional background with some coaches who had been around the game for a long time. And you know, having a 10-year-old son now who watches the game and enjoys it, whether it be different cleats, whether it be making fancy plays in the field or, or, or just having some energy or having personality, like that is what drives fans to this game. And I think you know, having our young core, having our young group of players at Fenway um, this year, year and in the future is to me what's really exciting about what we could potentially build here that's a good answer like the cleats thing is so bizarre to me i mean brian man it's it's in 2016 2017 major league baseball would not wear let players wear cleats with 
more than two colors on them. And to think about, like, how backwards that was and how long it took them to understand. And that's what I always remember when we have this conversation. It's like, yes, you and I are like, oh, how dare you bat flip or how dare you do that podcast or how dare you go on social media? Well, you know what? In five years, we'll be saying – I. I can't believe I said, how dare you? Yeah, I think there's certainly a balance. You know, you respect respect the game in a sense, respect yourself, respect your family, but also it's okay to have a little fun, yeah. smile a little bit, enjoy yourself. And, again, it's for, for kids, for people to enjoy it. And I think, you know, you look at other leagues, other sports, you know, they do it similarly. It's a younger person's game. You know, the average major league age is younger than it was but, 20 but years ago. But the problem is it's a younger person's game playing. But the demographic, this is what we're trying to we're do. We're getting there. Yeah, we're getting well, there. I mean, that's why you're here, Brian Abraham. Like, man, like, are you kidding me? Look at all the young people out here. Oh, I can't believe the, it. The, Thank, the, thanks, the, 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 the demographic. Uh, last question is, which were you more nervous about, being on here for this interview or throwing beep, uh, for the home run derby? It was for Jose Batista. Jose Batista. Joey Bats. So Jose, and this is, I, I totally buried the lead when it came to your resume and your LinkedIn page. Not only were you a bullpen catcher, not only were you a farm director, not only were you a rising star in the, the ranks of major league executives, but there's not a lot of people on this planet who have thrown BP or thrown, I don't know what you call thrown the pitches for a home run derby. There is, yes, there's a lot of pressure for this interview. You handled it very well. Thank you. But I'm like, that is, that is something. I was pretty nervous. <laughs> I was, I, was, I was pretty nervous. I don't like to talk about it too much. That was in the past. But how much time we have left in this segment? Because I could go on for – no, I'm just kidding. We finished in second place. He had a lot of home runs. It was, a, it was an incredible experience. How, um, how would you grade you? How was it in terms of – how was your performance in that? I think it was poor, to be honest. I remember him telling me he was going to take a lot of pitches. It made it a lot easier because I think as anyone who knows who throws batting practice, when a player takes a pitch, it is – a little bit uh, anxiety-inducing. It's like, oh, geez, was that not good enough? I have to throw the next one even better, especially big leaguers. Yeah. So, you know, he prepared me. Uh, it was an incredible experience, a lot of fun. I think it allowed me to, whenever I get nervous about things, I think of like, well, you know, I threw batting practice in front of 40,000 people. How hard could this be? Exactly. You that's know? And I think that's why you nailed this interview. I think there's close to that number here watching guess, us. Which it's is, kind of, kind of, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, well, well, how well you perform in front of big crowds. Hopefully this isn't on Twitch or, uh, you know, one of those live streams. I, but, tell, you, I tell you what. This, you is have to what, believe this is what I'm going to do for you. Brian Abraham, farm director, director of um, player development for the Boston Red Sox. Thank you so much. And the reward is you get your choice, okay? okay. You get a baseballs and boring sweatshirt, or you get a book, A Damn Near Perfect Game, co-authored by Joe Kelly and Rob Bradford. How about this? I'd like the sweatshirt, but I'll buy a book because I like Joe All Kelly, right. too. I've caught okay. Joe Kelly. I've caught yeah, Joe how Kelly. Was that, how was he to catch? Oof. I could have caught, caught him with a shower shoe. <laughs> what? I don't even know no. what that means. No, Joe, Joe, Joe Kelly's great. He's, uh, he's one of the best players I've been around in terms of on the field, off the field, the personality, the, the wanting to be great. I mean, geez. Uh, he's writing books now, writing books and getting guys out of the big leagues. That's pretty special. Yeah, well, yeah, he sort of wrote a book. Yeah, yeah. He, he definitely, he definitely he supported you. No, nah, it's his book. It's his book. Okay. And by the way, you're in luck. Uh, because there's a Venmo code right over there. So, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right, all right. Thank you so much, man. Go, go enjoy your day with right, your son, right. your awesome son, in, in the world of baseball. Everyone, round of applause for Brian Abraham, farm director of the Boston. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. All right. Uh, thanks to Brian Abraham, first guest. But we get a lot of guests coming up. We have Tristan Casas coming up in just about 25 minutes. Nick Pavetta right after him. And we're going to get the what's what. We, we requested to get – the, the culmination of Jonathan Papelbon's weekend 
after all the dust had settled, where does Jonathan Papelbon feel his weekend fell, his performance last night? That's what you're going to want to hear. That's coming up along with a lot of other guests. So I appreciate everybody. This is the Baseball Isn't Boring show. We're going to be on starting February 17th every single Saturday. I look forward to it so much. Doug Lane's here. We're at Winter Weekend. Everybody, come on over the booth if you're here. If you're not, just keep on listening because it's going to be a lot, a lot of great talk. So we'll be back right after this.